It is a dark time for the Rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the Rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of Freedom Fighters led by Luke Skywalker have established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. Hey all you gals and guys, Grayson Parker Mark out of the Sleeping Giant Podcast here, and I've finally got for y'all the newest episode of my infamous Star Wars series. These episodes did start off a bit more family-friendly, but since Star Wars isn't specifically for children, fuck them! In this episode, we're talking the best movie of all time, The Empire Strikes Back, and I'll be discussing it with my guest, good friend and old-school homie, Mr. Jeff Glenn. Y'all go on and get comfortable. We are about to begin. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. How's it going, man? Oh, it is going quite well, sir. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. I'm glad that we uh, have the opportunity to do this. I don't know how long it's been, actually, since I've heard your voice. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. I think uh, we had a phone call like a couple of years ago now, which is crazy to think how how much time has passed since then. Yes, so. <laughs> life certainly speeds up. And, yeah, uh, yeah getting older get is not, not the greatest uh, as far as like how time speeds up. Yeah, but what about all the wisdom and lessons learned? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I, it, I have so much wisdom. I definitely don't feel like I'm still a stupid 16-year-old. I definitely don't feel yeah, that. That's, that is so weird. It really is. And it's so funny you say that because I was wondering before we uh or before i got everything together to to do this i was like should i bring that up over the course of the conversation i was like do you feel like a wizened older man because (laughs) i still feel like a dumbass kid yeah no traveling through life it's um in a way it's kind of liberating because i realized that it's probably not just me so like everybody else in the world also doesn't know what they're doing or like it's everybody. everything figured out. So it's like equally terrifying and, and kind of freeing. So, you know, there's that. Right. At least. I guess that's wisdom, right? I think so. I believe it is. There, it's uh, it's either knowledge or wisdom, one of the two. But I'm going to go with wisdom because it seems right. Right. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much just the same dude. It's just now I have a lot less hair. I've traded in shaving cream for shaving soap. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, I don't watch movies anymore. I watch films. Yes, yes. And uh, that's about it. Yeah, pretty much same here. Um, <laughs> you know, just more more gray uh, in my hair these days and uh, more bills to pay and things like that. But, you know, other than that, still kind of feel like I'm the same person. That's life. Yeah. All right, man. So for those, for those listening that don't know, Jeff Glenn is... Uh, a long time friend of mine. We met in high school many, many moons ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, I was probably about 15 when we met. You're a little older. You're two years older than me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Close enough. Yeah. Um, so we've known each other for a long, 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 long time and uh, got into a lot of trouble and had a lot of fun together. And uh, yeah, it we, we grew up together, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, for sure. Um, we saw Star Wars Episode One together. Yes, we did. We, we skipped school to go see that. That was fun. And broke a lot of lightsabers <laughs> in the process. <laughs> yeah. I think I told you about this before, um, I think over like a text message or something a while back, but I have somewhere uh, one of my old you know yearbooks, and you get people to sign them and everything, and I have um, something that you wrote. This was, this was before we saw Episode One. Uh, uh-huh. it, was, it was like, you know, Dear Jeff, Episode One is going to rock. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, I, I look back at that sometimes. I'm like, oh man, if only we knew. 
<laughs> Sweet summer children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking back, and that's another reason I'm glad that, that I've done some of these Star Wars shows is because going back and watching the movies is actually not as painful as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I allowed myself, or let me back up and say I allowed myself to have fun. And when I did that, it did change my perception of the movies. Um, I mean, critically, I don't think they're good, but I did have fun. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the point I've reached to with a lot of things. Um, you know, with a lot of a lot of entertainment in general. You know, it's like not getting so hung up on, I guess, like critical critical success and things like that. Um, or, you know, coolness points or coolness factor or whatever. It's like, did I have a good time? Like, was I entertained? And so if I come away from anything feeling like I, you know, I was, then I, I mark it as a success in my book. Yeah, that's probably... Hey, that's that wisdom stuff. Talking. Hey, right? <laughs> Actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're doing better at this than we thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm in the same position now. And it's, Star Wars is just so weird because with the way that social media has progressed and everyone being able to put their two cents out there, number one, most people's opinions are not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, um, they're... <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I was going to say some really mean things, and maybe <laughs> maybe I won't do that. Um, but it, 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 I think that if someone is able to put their opinion out there, uh, whether it be a, a tweet or a podcast, mm-hmm. um, they they seem to feel like their words carry some sort of extra special weight, and that's very troubling to me. Right, but. Whatever. Um, to tonight, though. Oh, actually, before we begin, uh, the the uh, opening song and closing song, actually, for the Sleeping Giant podcast was actually provided by Jeff Glenn. So this is the man, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like when I listened to your your podcast, I um, was like, oh yeah, that song, that's cool. Like I, it's great to hear that every time. And like uh, I can't remember. I don't think you have the part that you did on there because you actually did some uh, some guitar work on that as well towards the end of the track yeah that's uh, the the that's part of the closing oh, okay cool, I guess, cool. Uh, of the of the show and so it's at the very tail end so ironically and in retrospect probably no one has heard it <laughs> right because I've, I've listened to several episodes but i don't think i've listened to like all the way through to like the final closing sting or whatever so that's uh, yeah yeah i'm probably going to change it around um i know that Long-time listeners of the show, I mean, they've heard it a hundred million times. Well, probably not that much. Mm-hmm. But um, I was thinking about uh, clipping some things for uh, for time's sake. But we'll see. I mean, I just love it so much that I don't really want to change it. But <laughs> well, I, we'll I did actually find, because um, I thought I had actually lost the, the full track years ago, and I found it recently when going through some old stuff, and I, I got kind of inspired. I was like, oh, I should do like a, a new version of this, like you know, re-record it, and now that yeah. I've like learned things about recording, that'd be kind of fun. That would be. I would be very interested to hear that. You know, it's funny. I showed uh, my daughter a picture of us when uh, we were um, in high school and playing mm-hmm. music and whatnot, and she straight up didn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "That's not you." <laughs> it's like, no, I promise. It yeah, is. yeah, I was there apparently. <laughs> It's it's a good time though. She's she is super into music. That's and, awesome. Uh, and 
she her favorite is what she calls uh, hard metal, <laughs> um, and Death Clock is her favorite band. Oh, that's so. that's so awesome! <laughs> so you're doing something right, man. Yeah, I'm a proud papa, <laughs> proud papa. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So tonight we're going to talk about Star Wars Episode Five, The Empire Strikes Back. Are you ready to to crack this nut open and see what we can get out of it? Yes, totally. All right. Well. I want to ask you first, what what drew you to Star Wars? What what's your experience with these movies? Oh man, it's I was thinking about that the other night. So I did, you know, my rewatch of Empire um and uh, I was thinking about it and like I don't remember actually watching Star Wars for the first time. It's one of those things mm-hmm. where growing up, it was just always it, it was a thing that I watched religiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far back as I can remember, I don't remember like sitting down for the first time and being like, "Oh, this is this cool new thing that I'm watching." It's just like it always has been. Um, so I know that I got that from my older brother. He was he was you know several years older than me and uh, very much into Star Wars. Um, he was like the perfect demographic for it, you know, when it came out and everything. And so uh, you know, I kind of absorbed that just from him. Basically, that was like my first exposure to it. I'm I'm guessing is why I ended up watching it so much, but. Yeah, like a huge part of my childhood was just spent watching these movies over and over and over. Um, we actually had them on VHS that was taped off of television. Yep. So we had the <laughs> commercials, you know, the commercial breaks and everything. And so it's so funny because I was, you know, when I was rewatching this the other night, um, there are so many scenes where no matter how many times I watch it, I'm still kind of expecting to cut to a commercial and like see the, you know, old school commercial for like Pepsi or something like that, that I watched a million times on that. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, I feel the exact same way. I could never tell you the first time I watched it. I could never, I I couldn't tell you how I reacted to the idea of Vader being Luke's father. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Spoilers. Oh man. (laughs) So, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. It's just like you said, it's always, been there and it's always been this thing that's uh, pervaded my life Mm -hmm. and um, I think that's one of the things that makes it so special Uh, I I know that there are people out there that are like oh you like Star Wars well other people like other things too and uh, it's like yeah I I get it but (laughs) (laughs) I still feel like this is a little different Um, but then again I tend to take things very seriously I'm very impassioned about some things Mm -hmm. and you know, Star Wars is one of them. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that about, you know, you can't really remember the moment, I guess, learning that uh, that Vader is Luke's father and everything. In a way, I mean, I kind of feel like I missed out on something by not having that. Because, like, I think even, um, you know, I don't know, like, whatever whatever the first time was that I actually saw that, I feel like even, Mm -hmm. I probably already knew it just from that being kind of in the, like, my brother probably mentioned it or just kind of like in the cultural zeitgeist you know like it's yeah everybody kind of knows at that point it wasn't like a shocking new thing right yeah exactly um this this film is the first well it's the first star wars film that really took a different turn i mean i guess obviously there wasn't much that preceded it but you know a new hope or star wars in 77 was uh written and directed by george lucas and so this this movie is unique in that, uh, especially considering the three films that come after 
the original trilogy, somewhat unique in that um, it was written by, uh, obviously Lucas developed the story, but based on a script written by Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Irvin Kirshner that was the director. Yeah. And I think that having that dynamic in creating this movie, it gave Lucas's story a little bit of, of it, it tempered it to a degree. And uh, and I'm I'm I for one am pleased that it turned out the way that it did because Empire is my favorite, definitely my favorite too. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. I mean, it, yes, just because it has that, it, it's a very different feel. Yes, it it definitely has it has the reputation of being the dark Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even the uh, the original or the theatrical poster um, by Roger Cast is it Castle. Um, you know, with the this, it's got the Hoth ice on the bottom, right? And, you know, the space in the background and mixed with Vader's helmet, and you know, Han's doing the sort of dashing hero, uh, sweeping Leia off of her feet, etc. Um, even that is has like a, a darkness to it, mm-hmm. and it looks somewhat ominous, and and the film definitely feels that way. Um, right from the beginning, when I was watching this to to do this show. Uh, I realized that every time I've seen Empire, it uh, it always leaves me when the film opens and the probe droid launches and uh, crashes into Hoth. It always leaves me feeling very lonely and kind of desolate, like right off the bat. Yeah, I was actually one of my notes um, when I was watching it was that they really just did such a fantastic job um, just getting the overall feeling in that, mm-hmm. you know, with with Hoth, especially like it just seems very unforgiving. Oh, absolutely. And it's so funny, too, because probably at the time that I was watching Empire, um, there were so many things that left me with that feeling Mm -hmm. that I was watching, like uh, E.T., when he gets all fucked up, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that has that feeling, Mm -hmm. Uh, the never-ending story, and, uh, you know, with Artex, and the was it the Swamp of Sadness? Yeah. Man, uh, the C- Secret of Nim is another one. There were there were so many movies around that time that gave me that like unsettled or unsettling yeah. feeling, and a lot of it, I don't know it's like a, very much like a visual aesthetic I think that you see in a lot of movies around that time where everything feels a little mm-hmm. darker and like not grimier but a lot of like fantasy movies and sci-fi have that that feel absolutely to it, which I think is interesting. Legend, legend, I think yeah, is another yeah. One of those. Yep. So there was a lot of stuff floating around at this time that had that. I mean, I could I could just keep naming them. The Dark Crystal mm-hmm. um, that just sort of had this ominous tone that was aimed at children. And, you know, everyone still insists that Star Wars was always for kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if if all of those other movies that we just named were for kids, and I, I'm pretty sure they are, then I guess, you know, that does, that does hold some water. Right. But... Uh, I think that the the setup of this movie or the overall idea as mentioned in the opening crawl is that you don't in a lot of fairy tales you don't have after the end uh what what happens next or the consequences mm-hmm. you know it's like oh the heroes won the battle but what happens next you know right. and that's that's one of the things that I love about this movie is that you know, um, the heroes won. It was a great victory, and the end of a new hope leaves you feeling satisfied and happy. 
but like you know papa's gonna spank <laughs> after, after that you know yeah, it's like it's only just the beginning at this point yeah so i guess what has happened is the rebels had to leave the base on yavin because they were found out i mean the death star was going to blow them up mm-hmm. before luke blew it up um, so they were scrambling to find a new place and um let me ask you very quickly have you kept up with any of the recent marvel stuff no i haven't um yeah i've I consider myself a very uh, casual, hardcore Star Wars fan, if that makes sense. Right. No, it does, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I watch the original trilogy over and over. Everything else is garbage. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Got really into Knights of the Old Republic, though. That was... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah still, to this day, I'm like, if they would make movies about that, that would be incredible. Absolutely. I think I was living with you when the second one came out. I think I played that yeah. over at your house. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that was... Oh, man, those games are so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the situation with The Empire Strikes Back. So what are some of your your introductory thoughts about the Rebels on Hoth and just sort of their business there? Uh, well, I mean, overall, it's like the... Again, it goes back to the Hoth being kind of like this unforgiving place. Like, everything feels a little bit more desperate at this point. Right. You know, it's... Um, after New Hope and everything, it's like what you see of the rebels. Like it seems a little bit like they're in more you know dire straits than they were before, mm-hmm. and kind of on the run and everything. So it's uh, everything just has that yeah that kind of like low key desperation, mm-hmm. which uh, I found interesting. It kind of sets the tone right off the bat that it's like oh this is definitely like a darker feel overall. Right. And uh, what I think it's interesting that they start the movie with. Luke getting owned, right? So it's like here's our hero, and <laughs> he's uh, he's Yeti food basically, but not yes, not quite, but you know. Which the interesting thing about that part, uh, which and, and I don't want to get off the rails here, but the interesting thing to me is prior to uh, this film, you know, I mean, and again, there was only one before it. We have a new force power. Uh, Luke uses the force pull. Have you heard just kind of some of the stuff that people say about the new movies and how like they're introducing new force powers and that's somehow a negative? Right, right. Yeah, I have heard that. And I, I thought that was interesting because I, again, one of my notes that I had watching this, I was like, because I don't think I ever even thought about it before. Again, going back to, you know, just being this, this series that I watched religiously and like I mm-hmm. couldn't remember where the first time I saw something was. Watching it this time, I was like, oh, wait, we didn't, haven't actually seen the Force being used to like move anything at this point, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, And again, it, it kind of goes back to what you said before about the idea of, of having or not being able to experience some of these things for the first time. Because if I put myself in the shoes of someone who's never seen this before, I bet it was pretty mind-blowing. Right. And we've always, we've just accepted it because it's something that has always been. Yeah, it's like when I watch it, or when I watched it so many times as a kid, it was like, oh yeah, he's using the Force, because that's what the Force does. Yep, exactly. And I want to point out, there are two things in this movie that I noticed this time, and that's one of the cool things about going back and watching something mm-hmm. a bit more objectively. Two things I noticed, I'll, I'll talk about the other one later, but this time, in the cave, when Luke is hanging suspended from the ice... And he's trying to pull the saber. I always thought that he made uh, a gesture with his hands, but he didn't. It was just a scarf hanging down. Oh yeah, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it looks like his like he's using his, his like fingers or something like yeah, like a certain yeah. 
like a meditation exactly. thing or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time I ever noticed that. And I was like, so my whole life, basically, I <laughs> thought that that's what was happening. <laughs> Every time I've seen this movie, I saw that. And I was like, no, it never happened. I, I kind of love that. Like, I love watching something and, you know, having that moment where it's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, because it calls into question how many other things you just assumed were a certain way. Right. Is my whole and life then, a lie now? Yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> several aspects of it may very well be. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that was the one thing. And uh, but I, I like too. after Luke getting owned, we see that Han is... <sighs> He's a he's a good guy, and I think they make that very apparent because you know his morals were somewhat questionable mm-hmm. in A New Hope, um, but right off the bat here, um, you know he's kind of having his tiff with Leia. They obviously both have the hots for each other, but <laughs> neither one of them is going to act on right. it. Right, um, and in the midst of that, they find that uh, that Luke, uh, keeping in mind that Han is trying his best to split. Right. I mean, he's dragging his feet clearly uh, to see if, if Leia will go, you know, pick up what he's putting down. <laughs> um, but like they find out that Luke hasn't come back from his patrol and like without even hesitating, Han's like, I'm on this. And, uh, you know, they're warning him that going out into the cold is, is almost guaranteed death. <laughs> then I'll and see you in time- hell. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome because it's like, dude, he, he knows that he could very well die, but he goes out there anyway. And I think that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that was, um, definitely like, you know, some cool character development there from the cockier, you know, just like only out for himself guy that was portrayed in the, the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Now, uh, what do you think about the look of the characters? in in this film as opposed to where we saw them in a new hope uh you mean specifically like with the main characters or just like character yeah like the costumes character design yeah yeah again um yeah i think i would go back to that um things seeming a little bit more run down or just like desperate um you know the especially like i I always loved the all the you know character designs or like the i guess the costumes and things like that used um mm-hmm. on hoth as well it's just like i, I had the uh, a lot of those action figures growing up and so like <laughs> yeah I, a lot of those this is like iconic looks you know like the right. different like visors and and things like that that they had um but overall yeah like very cool very like overall different feel for sure yeah it 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 seems somewhat utilitarian right. i think a lot of the stuff that they wear and uh and have around them. I mean, like with all the service droids that you see, we didn't see nearly as many of those mm-hmm. in a new hope. And there seemed to be a lot of pockets, you know, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is definitely a thing. Um, and, and I think that's cool. It kind of drives home the idea that, you know, they're always carrying things on them that they might need to tinker on something. Or you might need to or, split at a moment's notice. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm a big fan of those two. And you know what's funny is you mentioned the action figures, and I don't think it's a question that The Empire Strikes Back is a lot of people's favorite Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we have such an affinity for it, and I can't speak for everybody that lives out west or up north, but I know that on the rare times that it snowed in Georgia, I was busting out the AT-AT. Um, I had all of my... Uh, all of my 
snow troopers oh know, yeah and like for Luke sure and, yeah and his x-wing gear and it was the best time to play because or to play with your star wars figures because it was such an immersive environment it's like oh could. i actually have hoth now cool yeah, yeah exactly so i wonder if that has anything to do with with the popularity of the films or uh, for this film in particular yeah no it definitely could be that that's, that's funny that you mentioned that yeah I never had the Snowspeeder, mm-hmm. um, but back in the early to mid-90s, Micro Machines did a, uh, a series, I think it was called Action Fleet, and they were really cool, super detailed vehicles um, that a lot of times they came with a scale figurine. I mean, it was just like, it only had one joint, and it was not very detailed at all, right. but it would fit in the cockpit, and uh, that was pretty sweet. So I had those, or that's that was my snowspeeder was the action fleet mm-hmm. and uh man i had such a good time yeah the the snowspeeders in particular were really cool um just a cool design that's mm-hmm. uh, one thing that um, you know watching these again like there's so many different vehicles you know like ships and and speeders and things like that used throughout the the movies that i uh i used to pretend i was in all the time you know just like oh yeah just like sitting in the living room watching these movies and i would like get in a box or something and just like pretend i was you know in one of the snow speeders like it's just funny how much um how many memories come back you know when you watch something like this mm-hmm. absolutely and and i was thinking about that as well when i watched it sunday night and i realized that basically anything i could get my hands on when i was a kid mm-hmm. i could imagine that it was something from star wars like (laughs) yep. (laughs) when you had to make do with what you had um and it just i think it's funny how adaptive the imagination is. yeah yeah totally when it's allowed to be but um so what's uh the 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 thing that that strikes me i guess is most unique in this movie apart from the hero getting sideswiped immediately is han does go save his ass Mm -hmm. um and if you didn't already feel like this movie was dark enough, I mean, Han says he's got to go because uh, there's a price on his head, and if he doesn't pay off Jabba the Hutt, he's a dead man. And Reekin's just like, a death mark is not an easy thing to live with. <laughs> it's like, damn. It's like very casual about it. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, I've been there myself, son. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Han finds Luke after he's uh, escaped the Wampa, and he stuffs homeboy inside of... A, a dead snow lizard or whatever the Tauntaun <laughs> yeah. is. And I mean, and that we got to see that we did. And like the, the <laughs> scene, like, so when he cuts open the Tauntaun and the guts spill out, that has such a distinctive look like those, mm-hmm. those intestines and guts and everything. And so as a kid that actually ruined hash browns and tater tots for me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if you like break yeah. open a tater tot, yeah. It looked, it reminded me of like the white, like, you know, intestines that come spilling out. Like it just reminded me of that. And so like for the, for the longest time, for years, I could not eat hash browns or tater tots because they would make me think I'm right that. there with yeah. you, man. Not the tater tots, but <laughs> it was tuna for me. Oh, tuna yep. always reminded me of that. <laughs> so I could not eat tuna for a long time. Oh, that's funny. So you're not, not the only one. That <laughs> shit was nasty. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, so Luke is saved. Yay. Um, and again, we get to see some more really cool droids like two, one B the medical droid. Uh, I think those guys are awesome. Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah. just the, the medical droids. One thing that I thought was cool about this too. Um, so that scene with the medical droid and Luke is in the mm-hmm. back to tank. 
is that okay so in this this movie it's you know pre-internet days so you can't just go online and you know learn all the intricate details about the world or the you know right. all the backstory and so there's all this world building that they don't even explain like no one outright says like this is a back to tank it heals you you know it's like you just kind of assume that yeah just from it showing up you're like oh he's in this tank and now he's better so it must be some sort of healing thing exactly i thought that was really and cool it is and 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 what's funny too that you mentioned that and for two things from my point of view um number one like my uncle and my dad, they knew that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there had to be something, um, like they would know names. And I don't know if it was just the figures or, you know, like, yeah. I wish I could get my hands on some of the earliest media that existed. And I'm sure I call myself a super nerd. Um, I guess if I was, I'd probably know where to find that stuff. But, um, but yeah, just the fact that they knew some of these things, yeah. you know, I gleaned from them, not, other people or things I was reading. Right. When did the the comics first come out? Oh, oh, those came out in I want to say the seventies and early eighties. Okay, so the late 70s so maybe some of the stuff 80s. wasn't there. That is a good call. Yeah. Jeez. Sometimes the simplest explanation <laughs> is the best. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. I forgot that the comics were like uh, you know were as pretty much as old as the movies. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could look that up, and I'm sh- there's probably somebody that's like, it was this date. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> if if you have the date, then feel free to shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram. And I love I love it when people send stuff in. They're like, oh, by the way, this was this. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and then I can uh, adjust adjust my knowledge accordingly. Um, and then there was another thing I was going to mention. Oh yeah, about that. Now, we have that understanding when we're watching these movies in the original trilogy, and that's something that I find so terribly funny when you have the sequel trilogy that's come out and everybody is bitching and moaning about things not being explained enough. Mm -hmm. I think there's a fine line, though, um, between not giving too much away and not giving anything away. Right. and, you know, we can probably talk about that later, um, especially if, if you are inclined to come back for one of the sequel trilogy talks. Um, but I think it's interesting. I think the original trilogy, in the way that you mentioned it, I think it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's such a cool thing. Like, again, again it's just that, that world building that doesn't really hit you over the head with it, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not so crazy or out, you know, out of nowhere that it doesn't, makes some sort of sense like you can kind of infer right what it is exactly yeah i i love it and that's again one of the reasons why to me the original trilogy will just always be the absolute best yeah for sure so things are desperate as you mentioned luke is on the mend um and of course we have we have here (laughs) a situation where uh han is popping off at the mouth again and Leia is, uh, I guess, trying to teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, she kisses Luke Skywalker <laughs> on the mouth. <laughs> now, I mean, everybody's talked about right, it. It's, right. it's, it's its own meme. We all know uh, what the deal is. But, I mean, okay. Was that like a super romantic kiss, though? Definitely not. That was definitely like a thing to, you know, make Han jealous or like put him in his place. Right. 
How, so I don't think it's fair to say yeah. that. However, it, <laughs> it is it is always going to be funny to me, uh, especially yeah. when you have in Return of the Jedi um, when Leia says like when you know uh, the reveal that their siblings mm-hmm. comes out and she says something along the lines of somehow I've always known. It's like, yeah. did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the other thing, actually, this is probably the best time to mention it. Um, I said there were two things that I noticed when I was watching this movie. The other thing is, after Luke loses his hand mm-hmm. and Bespin, and he's safe aboard the Falcon, uh, she kisses him on the mouth again. Oh, and I right. actually went back and rewound it, and I'm like, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she did. Yeah. Again, not romantic at all. But it was definitely lip to lip. Yeah. Well, and I don't ever hear anyone talk about that. Yeah, one. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 uh, I did make like a mental note of that, or like I was like, oh yeah, that that happened. But I didn't really. It's definitely not one that you know. It's not that kiss that everybody right. talks about. I will say one of my, um, and you know, it's, I'm not wanting to like poke fun at Star Wars. I love these movies, obviously. But one of my favorite uh, pictures that I saw years ago, like you know, meme or whatever, was. It was a you know picture, a screenshot of that scene with Leia kissing Luke, mm-hmm. and Obi Wan's Force Ghost in the background, making a face right. like no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to have fun with it now because it is what it is. Right. Like you can't go back and and take that out. Which I have to I have to respect Lucas for not removing that scene when he had ample opportunity to do so. Yeah, um, with. Not necessarily the backlash, but just how much shit it got and continues to get to this day. Like, because I mean, I'm saying that because he likes to tout the whole. Well, you know, I didn't have the technology at the time to to make the film I wanted to make, so now I'm I'm going back and I'm doing it. Well, if that was the film you wanted to make, then clearly you already knew that you know Luke and Leia were siblings. So, right. You know. Right. Maybe you could fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Also, that was that was a great uh, George Lucas impression. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I just assume that I have billions of dollars at my disposal, and everything right. that I say is genius, and it just kind of happens. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, basically, I, what really gets this movie going is after Luke is better, um, the the probe that crashed on Hoth earlier gets a gander at their their power generators and uh and obviously sends a signal back to the empire and this shot is great when that happens i love seeing those star destroyers especially in tandem mm-hmm. with the super star destroyer uh, because you know in the opening shot of a new hope we got the idea of the might of the star destroyer but here you can kind of you just see what an ominous presence they are even that low hum yeah, and, uh, in the audio, you just you know this power. Well, I I love too because that's it's the super star destroyer reveal, right? Where it's you yes. have the the regular size star destroyers, and you're like, oh yeah, these giant ships, and then all of a sudden this shadow creeps across, and it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's massive, yeah. and I I think they're supposed to be twelve miles long. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, the super star destroyers, and I think that's the executor, mm-hmm. which is Vader's flagship. Um, and this also, unless I'm mistaken, is the first time that we get to hear the Imperial March. Yeah, I think so. Was that Vader? Yeah, yeah. I I, I could be I could be mistaken, um, but we get the the Star Destroyers, and then we get the interior of the bridge, and and Vader, 
you know, sort of sweeps from the the viewport and uh, surveys the scene, as it mm-hmm. were, and uh, and and we get the idea, or rather, the uh, the the imperial officers are talking amongst themselves about a signal being sent from Hoth. And I love how condescending Admiral Ozil is. <laughs> and like, um, and he's, he's playing it very well. Forgive me, I don't remember the actor's name. but uh, I, I, And I love just like the, the surety with which Vader speaks. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, is it Piet, I think? Mm-hmm. Where he's like the, the intermediary between Ozil and Vader. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't know what the right thing to say is. <laughs> Awkward. Um, but yeah, so Vader is absolutely sure that the rebels are there. And that's really what moves this thing forward is he, he uh, orders the Navy to prepare for a ground attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. Some of your favorite parts, least favorite parts? Yeah. Um, so I love that, you know, when they're discussing the signal and everything and they're you know unsure about it and, and Vader's like, no, I'm sure of it they're there mm-hmm. um but i love that you know when he does that he uh he's like okay he, he says i think general veers prepare your men like turns around and mm-hmm. uh, general veers is like right there in front of his face like four inches away that is like oh that yeah kinda, like cracks me up a little bit every time i see that it's like oh didn't expect you there um but overall like the that's a very cool scene like you know obviously showing a little bit of his uh force powers and everything too as far as mm-hmm. um not premonition, but, you know, intuition and everything and just kind of sensing things based on that. Um, and then, you know, when they actually go to to arrive at Hoth, uh, when they you know, drop out of hyperspace and everything, I love how they, you know, drop out early. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it for the element of surprise? Right. And, uh, and the line, he's as clumsy as he is stupid, <laughs> is one of my yes. favorites uh, during that. So, yeah. Yes, we've 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 dropped out of light speed, and we're prepared to. Uh, uh, <laughs> which well, I think is another force power. Wait, no, we saw him choke. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, in uh, in A New Hope, mm-hmm. but we didn't know that he could do it remotely. Right. Also, I love that he was doing that while just kind of casually carrying on a conversation. He's like choking him right. out while talking to the other guy. <laughs> and, yeah, like the, Vader is pretty terrifying. Yeah, and then like you know, basically the tension of that scene where he's like seeing the other guy getting choked but like essentially trying not to acknowledge it <laughs> just like right just focus on what the boss is saying yes i one of the things about vader is uh, uh and this is coming from reading last year's run on darth vader mm-hmm. um they focus on the years sort of before or immediately after revenge of the sith and before a new hope and they, one of the one of the the plot points of the story is Vader's introduction to uh, the Empire, mm-hmm. essentially, and like the the military ranks. Um, he's basically just dropped in there. Palpatine doesn't tell anybody who he is or what his deal is, <laughs> and it's just amazing to read and watch. And I think it's handled very well. Mm-hmm. In that, some people think that he's a joke. And some people, you know, just are terrified of him immediately. But just seeing this ripple through the ranks of the Imperial Navy is hilarious. And then when somebody calls him out on some bullshit and he just destroys them with the force, it's like, all right, 
cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really funny because I mean, you can imagine some people who probably just you know hear it um, kind of filter through the the ranks or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, he can't right. be that bad, right? He's just like guy, like right." There's no yeah, such thing will, as people with magic powers. He will destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty fascinating to read those. If you do get a chance, um, I, I definitely recommend reading some of the more recent Marvel stuff yeah, because they've got cool. some great writers that are doing some pretty incredible things with yeah. uh, with those books. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of, of those. So uh, Charles Sewell is probably my favorite writer. Uh, Greg Pak and Kieran Gillen, I think those are the ones that have been writing the more flagship titles. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are tons of offshoots, and I haven't read all of them, but um, those are really, really good. Nice. Yeah, I'm always looking for more stuff but, to read, so that's that's yeah. awesome. It's good. Um, so, yeah, that ground attack is probably one of my favorite parts oh, yeah, of this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you have, like, the the anxiety and the suspense that's built from the AT-ATs lumbering um, towards the base. And then you have this, the rebels getting their pep talks from Leia. And I love the dude. <laughs> it's like, what does he say? Two fighters against a star destroyer. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Who, who lets you in here? Why are you wearing that flight suit? <laughs> Yeah, that that's one that always sticks out to me too. I um, there's so many quotes like that, or just like lines like that that I've quoted with my friends ad nauseum <laughs> over the years, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah, dude. Um, I will say though that throughout the the uh, Reliance ranks in this movie, the horseshoe mustache game is strong. <laughs> it was a different it time. Is strong. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, I'm not knocking. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a good look, um, and apparently they thought so too. Yeah, that's like that's standard issue. But the uh, yeah, that fight is just amazing. Um, with the uh, I mean, not so much for the ground troops because they get fucked pretty hard. <laughs> but I mean, it really kind of lends to the 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 desperation of the situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and it also shows like, I guess the the power of the empire and everything too. How the way that they go in, they're just so incredibly like calm and just like mm-hmm. oh yeah we're just gonna roll over these guys no big deal like oh yeah no, Veers is stone cold yeah like just stone cold like no worries no cares at all just like yeah we got this obviously exactly and it also sort of shows the ingenuity of the rebel alliance and how they have to rely on creativity mm-hmm. and improvisation um, you know, like with the utilization of the tow cables. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which, again, you know, watching that as a kid, like that was always such a cool thing. Like mm-hmm. just seeing them do that. Like uh, I don't know, it's like such a cool idea. You could take down a, this gigantic thing, you know, with a an innovative move like that. Yeah, and that's and it's also. I mean, that's very symbolic. I think of what the rebellion is. Yeah, for sure. You know, just little little dudes and dudettes against the machine. Yeah. Unless you're Dak, apparently. Oh, yeah. And that sucks. But, you know, and, and that's the other thing. It's like it really kind of shows the reality of the situation. Yeah. You know, they're not playing. I mean, I feel bad for them every time. And it's funny. You were talking about uh, expecting commercials. I always expect something just a little different to happen. Right. And we're like, maybe this time. <laughs> Yeah. Nope. Well, so 
watching it this time, and you know, I did always think this or thought this multiple times before, but like I was paying extra attention to how that all went down with Dak, you know, when he, because mm-hmm. was it just, did he actually get like, take a direct hit or did something? I think they took a hit yeah. and something inside the cockpit probably hit him or I mean, some, there was some sort of concussion, some sort of concussive force. Right. I don't think it was the hit. I think it was something from in the cockpit. So he probably wasn't dead. Yeah. And so that's what I was thinking. Like, was he unconscious? And then like Luke couldn't get him out, you know, to get crushed by the, the ATAT, which is like horrifying. Yeah, yeah, I that really bothers me every single time yeah. I see it, and I I feel really bad. Yeah. For well, especially because you know, and I guess it's obviously, um, I guess that was on purpose because you know, going into it, he's like he's all peppy and like I feel like I take on the whole empire myself. And it's like, yeah, well, you're not gonna make it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like when I think about, uh, especially after shows like The Walking Dead got really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, or I should say the comic and then the show. And then everyone had the, the sort of post-apocalyptic uh, obsession, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, oh, I, well, this is how I'm going to roll when the apocalypse <laughs> goes down. And I'm all like, what's funny is, and, you know, I, I sometimes think those things too. And I'm all like, you know, what's going to happen is traffic is, you know, going to be gridlocked and I'm just going to get hit by like a bus <laughs> trying, right. <laughs> trying to get and that that's going to be the story of me like there's no yep. no heroics yep. I'm just going to be one no, of those uh, random bodies that's along the highway yep and you know that sucks but it's also sort of comforting you know? <laughs> right I mean if I'm not a hero yeah, and if everything completely goes to shit do I want to live in that world anyway so you know exactly um, but, uh, so this, like the escape from Hoth, I, I think is extraordinarily well paced mm-hmm. and I don't think that you spend any more time than is necessary, um, in, in any particular scene in this movie. I don't feel like there's a wasted shot. No, it, it moves at a really good pace. Exactly. I, I know that there's the, uh, the cut, the famous cut scene from Empire where 3PO totally, uh, tricks those stormtroopers into going into the room with all the wampas in it. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which it's funny. That's an, that's entertaining, mm-hmm. but you know it would. It's so funny. Like after watching this movie so many times and realizing how expertly crafted it was, like that would have totally thrown things off. Yeah, no, that, that I think that definitely would have taken away from the overall momentum that they had going right there. Exactly, and the escape from Hoth. Once all the vehicles are. Uh, once all the vehicles have escaped, we're only 36 minutes into this movie. Right. So it's like all of, all of these things have happened and it's like just the beginning. Yes, exactly. Um, so they escape and what is it? Uh, is it Piet? I think that, uh, has to apologize to Lord Vader personally. <laughs> I, I shall apologize personally. Yeah. <laughs> it was either Piet or, uh, Nita. Yeah. I think it may have been Nita. He, Vader goes through so many guys in this movie. I like actually forget which ones are which. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, those, what was it? You sent me a message the other night and I was like, yeah, those Imperial Navy promotions. Yeah. Like, yeah you don't want to climb too high in the ranks cause, uh, you're going to get choked. No. Not at all. But this uh, this is something, like after this point, when um, Luke decides to go to Dagobah, you know, based on the vision that he had seen when he was all jacked up from that Wampa attack, mm-hmm. um, you know, Obi-Wan tells him that he must seek Yoda on Dagobah, uh, and he's going to meet up with 
Han and Leia later at some undisclosed rendezvous point. Um, one of the things that we see is the, uh, and we're flashing back to the Super Star Destroyer, Vader in his meditation chamber. Yes, that's such a cool scene. Yes. I mean, even back in the day, like, again, you know, knowing kind of how Star Wars turned out and everything, watching it so many times mm-hmm. as a kid, like, even then, I would watch that scene over and over because it's just like you get this glimpse of, you know, there's actually a person underneath this helmet and he's right. all kinds of messed up. Yeah, and I never really took much time to study that scene, mm-hmm. um, but now they're they're streaming on Disney Plus, yep. and the quality is pretty exceptional. It's it's so um, good that I didn't, I guess, fully appreciate just how gross his head looked. Yeah, I went back and I watched it about three times, and I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I think I noticed, and uh, I wish I could get like a closer look at mm-hmm. it, but it looked like there were some bare pieces of skull um, like amidst the, the puckered uh, flesh. Yeah. Which, I mean, if he was burned that badly, it's possible. I mean, it is it's a movie, right. so I don't know. Um, but that's what I thought I saw because there's some pieces that are like sort of a pale yellow. Yeah, I, so I actually made a note of that. I was like, is this a Disney Plus thing or is this because it's like higher quality that I, than I've seen before? But it's like there was definitely like a, a yellow patch that I'd never really noticed before which is like that's extra gross yeah (laughs) if it's skull then that just kind of lends itself to how just grotesque vader actually is like if you think about it um just being this basically i mean he's an inch away from death and that that machine that armor is the only thing keeping him alive and in intense pain at all times probably yeah (laughs) yes I know that that is that's outrageous to me. Um, so where are we at? We I think at this point we're gonna deal. Um, we're gonna spend a little bit of time on Dagobah. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Before we do that, I just wanted to mention because that's the asteroid chase is kind of going on at the same time, right? When they're true, they're uh, mm-hmm. the Millennium Falcon is going through the asteroid field and everything. And I thought that was really cool. I made a note of that because um, coming from A New Hope. Where you know this mm-hmm. is a few years prior and everything, so the special effects they could only do so much with uh, the effects right. they had, and so they could do so much more this time around. Like you really could see Han being that you know kind of like ace pilot that he's always touted to right. be. I just thought that was cool that you get you get to see a little bit more of him, you know, pulling some slick maneuvers and things like that. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that because my, and you can kind of tell, like looking at my notes where I got sucked into the movie, <laughs> it's just like, ah, this is awesome yeah. uh, because there are some gaps. Yeah. Oh, same with mine, and, especially uh, towards the end. You get to like the lightsaber battle. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so cool. Um, I'll always, oh God, I love that battle. Uh, but we'll get to yeah. that. Um, the scenes on Dagobah, I, I don't want to spend too much time on going through um, because I, I like to keep these at a certain length of time. Um, but I will say that the introduction of Yoda as the sort of trickster mm-hmm. that's then revealed to be the sage, I mean, that's that's an age-old storytelling trope, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, there are so many things that people have gotten bent out of shape about as far as um, George Lucas and the story 
and and what he did with Star Wars at certain points that I, I don't think that he gets all the praise that he deserves either um, for utilizing, especially, you know, like Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the journey of the hero. I mean, Lucas did pretty much cut and paste it, but he dressed it in, you know, his clothes. And, and I just think that that was supremely well done. And, and Yoda, the character of Yoda is one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, for sure. I, I love the, like you said, the um, introduction of him as like this kind of crazy old coot. And then he <laughs> yeah. is actually the wise old sage, which, you know, again, if you go back to, or if you go to like um, older, you know, Japanese films and things like that, like films that George Lucas actually liked as far as, you know, samurai films and things like that. You know, right. that same kind of trope, which is, it's cool. I like to see, like, when he does those homages to the, these um, these other films from, like, other periods. Right. I guess uh, he was big into, like, Kurosawa. Yeah. And, and the, uh, as you said, the sort of samurai pictures. And uh, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. is like, if, if you pay homage to something, but you do it in a clever way, and you do it your way, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that that's still pretty tremendous. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he deserves a lot of props. But uh, is there anything specific about Dagobah that you'd like to mention? Um, I mean, uh, we'll probably get into it a little bit more with the the dark side cave and everything like that right. later. But I mean, the the initial impressions. Um, again, like just the overall set design in this movie is just fantastic. Like the mm-hmm. all the different locations just have these very distinctive feels to them and like yeah. so Dagobah like when you know Luke crashes his X-Wing like you really do feel like oh shit like I'm stuck on this crazy swamp planet now and like it feels yeah, all, very all the branches slapping yeah. against the canopy yeah, yeah it's and it, you know the thing is I, it feels like you went from one area of desolation immediately into another area of desolation right there's not much reprieve yeah I, or uh or, or respite yeah i did i always thought it was funny how um cavalier luke is though when he you know jumps out of his x-wing into the water it's like mm-hmm. dude you don't know what's in that water <laughs> yeah <laughs> this, is, yes. this is a completely new planet yeah man and of course we do see what's in the right. water or at least to a degree <laughs> um poor r2 but uh, yeah, so this, as you mentioned, is kind of intercut between um, the asteroids. Dagobah is intercut with uh, with the Millennium Falcon in the asteroid mm-hmm. field. Um, so so we got those two things going on, and Yoda reveals to Luke that you know he is in fact Yoda, and I love Luke's backpedaling. Right? Oh no! Yeah, I'm not a whiny teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I have my shit together. Ben, tell him. <laughs> yeah, and Ben remains silent on that particular issue. Yeah. Well, and then Yoda does say, like, um, was it long have I watched this one? Mm-hmm. And you can see Luke's face be like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Remember the Tashi station and those power converters <laughs> you were bitching about? Could have waited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I will say, as far as Dagobah goes in our scenes, with Yoda on Dagobah, these these are my favorite scenes. Um, it's it's hard to compete with the interior of Bespin because, um, like the cinematography, the color palettes mm-hmm. used in uh, the carbon freezing chamber, the lightsaber duel, like everything about that is just 
it's tops. Yeah. But the scenes on Dagobah with Yoda, they, for me, it encapsulates like my love of Star Wars mm-hmm. and like probably why I love it the most. Cause I know some people love the ships. Some people love like the weapons, you know, it's so funny to me when I hear the different things that people love about Star Wars. Like to me, it's always been about the force. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. Same here. And Yoda's take. Yep. So that, that's definitely the most important thing to me. So let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Like where, where are you at on your, I mean, keeping in mind, of course, this, is a, a a fictional film or is it um, it's based it's based on some pretty some pretty real notions that people have had about the world and and the and the space around them so what what is your relationship to that and 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 how does it make you feel well i mean it's it is something that is, you know is rooted in a lot of some real world beliefs and you know also some of the again lucas you know showing some of his influences um with you know Japanese cinema and things like that, uh, it's just like a pretty cool take on basically taking multiple things and from other cultures and other um, belief systems and things like that and kind of making it into its own mm-hmm. thing, but which could actually apply you know if you take out the you know magic powers aspect of it, um, right? You know, is like a pretty good take on you know how things are all kind of bound together and you know we're all just energy Mm -hmm. and everything just kind of flows together like that i think it's very interesting in that regard absolutely and i mean it also it's it's the relationship that you as a sentient being have with other sentient beings and how you depend on one another yeah um I, i find that incredibly fascinating and just the fact that the jedi were this group of people that made it their business to to learn about that right and eventually i guess you could say exploit it that i mean that might not be the best i mean it, it word to yeah, use yeah it kind of is though i mean it's it fits with you know i guess how it's used and and i mean you know some of the older or i guess the original not the original the um the prequels and you know and mm-hmm. some of the extended universe stuff which i know isn't all canon now but a lot of it was how they got a little too insular and you know too much navel gazing and you know just kind of uh lost sight of what they were like really supposed to be doing yeah i think oh yeah that's that's true i mean if especially if you take luke's point of view uh in the sequel trilogy in the last jedi he's very much like you know yeah i I think what you said is just like we we abused this thing and uh look where it got us Um, so yeah, that's that's actually a pretty fair point. Um, so Luke, and, and I don't want to say this as a negative because I don't think that it is, but this does happen pretty quickly where Yoda is with Luke and 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 he's learning these things and he seems to to pick up new uh, strengths fairly quickly. And I don't know if. I don't know if there's anything to infer there. I don't know if there's any implication or if we're just supposed to assume that um, that Luke had been working on things on his own and then, you know, Yoda kind of helped him augment that. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Yeah, it it does feel... I mean, that's one thing that does feel a little... Not off, when it's not the right word, but, you mm-hmm. know, it's, when watching that, it's like it doesn't... When you think about the actual amount of time that would have passed, you know, during that, that period that is there, he 
does mm-hmm. seem to be really picking these things up very quickly. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that was an intentional or not, but you know, I, I think knowing what we you know learn later on, it kind of makes sense. If right. Anakin Skywalker was this you know super super powerful uh, Jedi or you know someone so powerful in the Force, then obviously his son is going to. Mm-hmm be super powerful in it as well and once he finds somebody who can help him channel that then it makes sense that it like he just gets exponentially better yeah i i can totally dig that i mean because that also sort of parallels uh daisy ridley's ray Mm -hmm. and the sequel trilogy i know a lot of people bitched about that and i'm just like well i mean you know you you have seen the the first three movies right (laughs) right (laughs) when that comes about but i think Oh, no, I was going to say, with that, um, what was the? Do you know what the actual like amount of time he is supposed to have spent on Dagobah? I don't. I really yeah. don't. Um, I'm pretty fascinated about that myself because you know when you're watching the movie, it almost seems like it's only been like a day. Right. But like, if I just had to guess, especially with Han and Leia and Chewie and three PO and the Falcon, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like they were camped out there, and I mean. Because considering, like, they disappear, right? right? And then Vader's, like, he brings in the bounty hunters. I don't think that they would have just vanished and Vader would have been like, oh, better call some bounty right, hunters. Right. <laughs> you know? So it was it was probably a considerable amount of time. I'm just going to spitball and say a week, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe two weeks. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Vader would have just called bounty hunters on the After, fly. like, an hour? Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, so an integral scene takes place on Hoth, or excuse me, Dagobah, and you you mentioned it briefly a bit earlier, and that's the scene in the cave. And I want to talk about that and kind of what what are your impressions of what went down there? I mean, with that, it's definitely you know Luke coming to terms with this darker side of himself, or you know, I guess seeing the potential of what would happen if he doesn't. Uh, you know, keep keep his mm-hmm. uh, impulses in check, or you know, uh, leaning towards the dark side. I did wonder too when I was watching this. Um, speaking of impressions and everything, was one of those things that I, I don't think I ever noticed before. But the actual mm-hmm. setting of that. So I always thought it was just like you know, a random cave, but it almost looked like there was like a structure or something to it. The hmm. the part where Vader comes out of. So is that was that actually like some sort of ruin of some sort is that the actual you know i'm not sure i will have to look into that i I think it's an important scene and i i think that it can be i think it can be perceived a few different ways now when i was a kid i thought that by him being behind the mask i thought that that was like a hint that you know like vader was his blood um but i think that one of the important things that that sets the scene up is when Luke notices it and he asks Yoda about it and he's going to go in and uh and Yoda said or he asks what's in there and Yoda says only what you take with you and then I think that is the key to what happened yeah. in the cave because that can go it can go a couple of different ways I think um but I'm not I'm not sure I wish I knew what the actual meaning was I wish I knew exactly what uh, Lucas intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, again, you know, only what you take with you. So it's you. You have the the intent, you know, that he takes in with him, or like mm-hmm. is 
uh, his thoughts, his feelings. Then also, you know, he brings his weapons in, and Yoda even says, "You don't need mm-hmm. them," and he puts them on anyway. So, like, I always wondered if that would have played any differently had he gone in unarmed too. Yeah, I I will forever ponder that because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, damn it, listen to the guy. <laughs> right. you know, this, he knows what he's doing. Like this goblin, yeah. yeah. This he he says that he's trained Jedi for eight hundred right. years. If he tells you you don't need your weapons, I don't know. Listen to him, <laughs> but whatever. I don't know. Um, so let's see. We have uh, if we're cutting back and forth between this and uh, the Super Star Destroyer searching for the Falcon, then of course we have the introduction of the bounty hunters. Now, apart from selling really awesome action figures, <laughs> this was. <laughs> This is a great scene um, because we get, I mean, we get some brilliant character design. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that you... The costumes are yeah, amazing. Yeah, I love that you have these, like, several characters that, again, are not, like, throwaway characters, but just, they're just mm-hmm. in the background. You know, no one ever really explains yeah. anything about them, but their costumes are so well-designed, and you, you just look at them, and you're wondering, like, oh, I wonder what this dude's story is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and it's almost a shame that we only get Boba Fett for a few extra minutes. Uh, And that's it. It's just a few minutes uh, in the movie. And he became like this runaway uh, um, obsession of the moviegoers and fans of the film, which I mean, can't blame him. I think Boba Fett's awesome. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that costume, that's so cool. I I want it. I want it badly. Well, I mean, that's why, um, (laughs) you know, I, I, love the Mandalorian like that was that's been such a cool series so far because it's mm-hmm. like oh this uh you know this this whole backstory not backstory but you know the um the Mandalorian armor and everything like that it looks so cool as a kid I was like I want to know more about this guy but here's the next best next best thing here's this you know story about some other Mandalorian and his whole tale yeah. and like I've really been digging that you know it's been very cool to see yeah I love the fact that that they brought to light the uh, the the notion that uh, being Mandalorian is a creed, yeah, and not necessarily like an, an ethnicity or a race. Right. It's uh, so that's extremely cool. To yeah, me. definitely. Um, and I think we're probably gonna do the Mandalorian at some point this year if there's time. I really want to. Yeah, awesome. Um, episode by episode, like we, there was one that I did earlier where we kind of touched on it a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I did listen to that one. But it would be yeah, it'd oh, yeah. be really cool to do like an episode by episode breakdown. That would yes, be awesome. That's that's what I would like to do. Um so it's either going to be the Mandalorian or the Clone Wars. I'm not sure which oh, cool. the new season. Yeah. I am because I know that a lot of people really love that show. I do. Yeah. I'm actually um in the middle of catching up on the original Clone Wars. Sweet. Yeah. So I'm I'm deep into it now. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, there are some throwaway episodes. It's uh, it's funny. Like my brother texted me a few days ago, and uh, it was it was one of those where it's like my face when, and uh, <laughs> it was my face when you're watching the Clone Wars, and the next one is a Jar Jar episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's I guess that's how it goes. Yeah, it I, is. Uh, um, speaking of the Mandalorian, though, I did like so and to tie it back to the the scene with the, all the bounty hunters i also mm-hmm. loved that the mandalorian gave us uh, an assassin droid because that was another one yes. you know in this scene in empire where it's you see this droid with these bounty hunters and you're like oh wow like so there's a droid bounty hunter that's awesome 
Yes, and it's such an interesting character, uh, IG eighty yeah. eight, um, especially in some of the uh, like the 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 novels from the expanded universe that focus on IG eighty eight because it's like, well, what is what is a really good approximation? HK forty seven and Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. I mean, just that type of character is so amazing because <laughs> it's like, what is your motivation? <laughs> <laughs> right. And HK-47, I think his motivation is to maim. <laughs> HK-47 remains one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time. Oh, so yeah, good. absolutely. I, I'm, I keep debating whether or not I'm going to download the port for uh, Knights of the Old Republic for my uh, Samsung tablet. Mm-hmm. And like every day that goes by, somebody reminds me of how cool that game is. Yeah, I <laughs> I actually got that for my phone recently. I got that port, and it's totally worth it. Like it's it's worth a playthrough again. Yeah, I, I that's it. I think I'm going to do it probably. <laughs> yeah. If I don't do it tonight, I'm not. So that's got to happen. Um, but yeah, so we get the bounty hunters, and of course, there's the important uh, declaration that vader makes and he's turning to boba fett specifically when he says no disintegrations yeah. <laughs> which i guess boba fett has a reputation for that <laughs> it's a it's a good thing to be known for it has to be something that only boba fett can do mm-hmm. or is one of those rare weapons that not everyone possesses because otherwise it seems like everybody would be doing right it. but uh but yeah so there's the uh there's the escape from uh, from the asteroid field when it turns out, of course, that they're inside a giant worm, which is... I still don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, also, it's... I always thought it was interesting that they're... When they find out what it is, they're suddenly mm-hmm. very desperate to get out of there. Like, we gotta get out of here right away. Which right. makes me wonder, like, what... I mean, they've been hanging out there for a while, so, like... Mm-hmm. I don't think it was going to like suddenly digest them or, you know, right. Why the rush? Yeah. I guess, I mean, in all fairness though, if I realized that I was inside of a living creature, like, and I just realized it, I would probably get a little panicky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to <laughs> hang out there long term, you know, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> Fuck. We got to yeah. go. <laughs> this is a little creepy. So, it might be justified. Yeah. Um, I mean, then of course there are the Minox to deal right, with. So right. maybe when they realized that they were in a scenario where the Minox weren't going to go yeah. away, uh, maybe that kind of spurred them to action. But so we're getting back to Dagobah and Luke gets his vision while he's meditating and exercising with Yoda that, uh, Han and Leia and Chewie are going to run into some, some bad business in a city in the mm-hmm. clouds. Now Yoda tells him that it's the future that he's seeing, but it's not guaranteed because it's always moving forward. And Yoda tells him that if he goes, he might be able to help them, but he would destroy uh, everything that they sacrificed and fought for, which maybe I'm dense. I don't really understand how that would have been a negative because, you know, if they die there, like what good does that do anybody? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think my read on that or my take was always that, he thought it was you know, basically it's the the lesser of the the evils or whatever if Luke doesn't mm-hmm. go and therefore does not fall into the hands of the emperor because right. like basically if if he um were to be captured and then turn to the dark side i mean that's you basically have now the two most powerful jedi on the dark side so. right 
I see. And I, I don't think, though, that Luke was aware of that. Right. That's that's the impression that I got. I, I think that there was something that happened there that, that Luke wasn't getting because I also wasn't mm-hmm. getting it. So maybe not, still not quite certain about it. But that does make a lot of sense. And that's that's one of the reasons I like to do these because it's like, you know, I've watched these so many times, but there are still some things that, you know, another pair of eyes can really kind of open up for yeah. me. Well, and I guess too that Yoda didn't want to just straight up say like, yeah, you know, it's going to, if you go and you get captured, you're going to turn to the dark side and blah, blah, blah. Probably not the greatest thing to let him know that he has that much potential power. Sure. Yeah, and I guess it preserves his agency as right. well. Yeah, that, that that does make an incredible amount of sense. Um, one of the important things to mention, though, is that throughout the entirety of this scene or these scenes with the Falcon, one of the reason that, reasons that they're in the predicament that they're in is because um, they have no hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that comes into play later, and I don't think we mentioned that before and uh, as to why that they why they were driving through the asteroid field uh, with the empire pursuing them um, but in this in this particular instance they do find that they're in relative close proximity to Bespin the cloud city which um, Luke saw in his vision now there's almost an infinite amount of things that I could say about cloud city <laughs> and and Lando Calrissian oh man <laughs> I, one of my notes um, is uh, but, Billy D. Williams is a national treasure. Yes, absolutely he is. I haggled with a dude at a gas station for probably about 20 minutes over his uh, Billy D. Williams Colt 45 Neon <laughs> that he had <laughs> nice. shortly after I moved to Florida. Yeah. And like he was not about to give it up. Now, I didn't realize that you could buy your mm-hmm. own, um, but I had never seen it before, and it looked pretty worn. So I was like, you know, I I just I need this. <laughs> it was if I can find a picture, I'll certainly post it um, on Instagram or the Facebook. But you've probably seen the the Colt forty five Billy D Williams ads. Oh yeah, yeah um, for sure. But uh, but yeah, he's just so cool. And and I guess that somebody somewhere along the line said that Star Wars needed some black people in it. And Lucas was like, oh well, who's the coolest black guy that has ever been? Oh well, <laughs> at this point. It's Billy yep. D. Williams, which, I mean, I, I understand. Um, I know people, again, it's so funny looking at these films now and then, or looking at these films then and then looking at them now, how bent out of shape people get um, when somebody says that there needs to be more diversity in something. It's like, do you not realize we've, we've done all of this? Right, you know? right. <laughs> like, this is not the first time this has happened. <laughs> Um, and I mean, come on, dude. All right. In all fairness, uh, John Boyega is not Billy D. Williams. Um, but, uh, who is right, exactly? Nobody. Nobody is. Nobody is the answer his, to that question. His delivery of lines is just like so good. And like when we first see him, when he first sees Leia, he's, what do we have here? It's like, it, it's <laughs> and so I love Han in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, God. Because, uh, you know, Han's pretty debonair, but I don't think he has anything on the right. radio. Well, and, um, and so that's wonderful. And I don't think anybody else um, pronounces it Chewbacca like he does. Right. Yeah, exactly. He has his own pronunciations, yeah. and they stick. Yeah. And it's you know that that's the character. Which, I mean, I wonder, too, when they were making this film, if they were, were like, you know, dig deep 
for the character of Lando if they gave him like some some character points or if they were just like just do yeah. your thing. Just be smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh I do love it. I love the fact that uh also Han describes him as a, a card player, gambler, scoundrel. Oh you like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's and I don't know uh, good delivery of that. Was that sure. a callback? Um, because I, I, at first I was like, that was just the dialogue. That was him talking. But I'm thinking because of the whole scoundrel discussion mm-hmm. prior, he was like, he's a scoundrel. You'd like him, you yeah. Know? <laughs> because that's why he's so a that little word. bit of a dig or like you know, a little little in joke. Yeah, uh, I'd never caught that yeah. before, and and maybe that was maybe that was the intention. I'm not sure, but. Um, Again, going back to uh, Lando, because I don't want to let that one go just yet. Um, his costume, at first glance, there's not a whole lot going on there, apart from just the sharpness mm-hmm. of it and the actual angles of the design. But like, it's so subtle, like some of the, the uh, embellishments, like the almost floral embossing mm-hmm. on the, the lining of the cape that he wears, which doesn't have a frog. Or a chain, by the way. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> that's always been so, at least in my mind, so demonstrative of like class. <laughs> you know, like if you're wearing a cape that doesn't have a fast right. <laughs> I don't know. It's when you you know you've really made it in the world. Yeah, or you're a yeah. pimp. <laughs> um, <laughs> was, there was this guy named Clem that I used to work with. He is an older gentleman. And uh, he was he had been in pest management for many, many years. And uh, we were talking to him about something. I can't remember, but maybe one of the more unique places that they ever had to fume. And uh, long story short, he was talking about doing this place in a city. And uh, he, was, he was talking to us. And so earnestly, he says, and then there was this fellow. He was a pimp. And you boys know what a pimp is. <laughs> we were like, yeah, Clem. I'm pretty pretty sure I do. Yeah. But he meant it. And uh, that's just one of those small things that happens in life that just gives me infinite amounts of yeah. joy every time I think that's about what, it. Yeah, those little, little things that keep life interesting. Do you know what a pimp is? You know what a pimp is. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so... So we have the introduction of Cloud City, which uh, it's it actually opens things up a little bit, and it takes us away from some of the desolation that we've been ex- experiencing. Yeah. Well, everything up to this point has felt almost claustrophobic. I mean, you're so many scenes mm-hmm. like you know on Dagobah, um, in the Falcon, on Hoth, you know, in those tunnels and everything. It's everything felt very claustrophobic, and then you have Cloud City, which is it feels more open for sure. And this right. is one where I actually prefer some of the special edition changes that they made here, mm-hmm. where it really does make it feel more open and airy. I will agree with you on that point. I, I was noticing that when I watched it on Sunday. Those those were really well-placed and aesthetically pleasing changes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I would expect if if someone was you know to go back and tinker with things. Um, you know, just opening things up and letting them breathe a little bit more instead of adding stuff and throwing it instead of you. adding a dance number. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to get too far down that. that yeah. Really 
Yeah, exactly. Because then I'll get mad and <laughs> we'll get away from the the intention That's not of what this, this is whole about. thing. Exactly. Um, but uh, so yeah, Bespin and in, in, in Cloud City, uh, I think, or I think that they're kind of, and this it lends itself, I think, to the genius of of the planning of this film um, and and the way that it's presented. I think you are supposed to feel like ah, you're free, like things are getting better. Right, things are looking up now. Uh, yeah, and they are so not. <laughs> um, but this does bring us to the climax of the film. And when when I was watching this before, I didn't realize. Like I I thought that there was so much more movie um, because it's it's roughly it's like two hours and five minutes, two hours and ten minutes long, something like that. But you know, like we were talking about before, thirty six minutes into the film, and you're done with Hoth, right? Um, and then it's Dagobah and the, the space chase, uh, and then Cloud City, and like, that's it. Um, so, I mean, that's that's three chunks mm-hmm. right there, uh, which I guess coincides pretty well with, with three acts. Um, so, uh, is there anything else we want to mention about Cloud City itself? Uh, I mean, not that I can think of. I liked some of the, uh, the bits where you see like the Ugnaughts and mm-hmm. uh, kind of the the underside of cloud city just briefly you know right. it's like oh it's this shiny fancy city and this got this other like other element to it it's kind of below the surface mm-hmm. yeah i i really dig that and i never really thought about it until you mentioned it just now i mean i i took it as a really cool aesthetic mm-hmm. but i never really considered the symbolism of that yeah and so it was funny too on this rewatch um after having you know watched the mandalorian recently I never noticed this, and I don't know if I ever would have. Otherwise, there's uh, in one of the scenes, I guess, in the trash room or whatever room with all mm-hmm. the droid parts and things like that. There's actually uh, an IG droid in the yeah. background, and I never noticed that before. Yeah, I think um, in some of the expanded stuff, maybe Tales of the Bounty Hunters, they uh, there's one tale specifically about IG88, and he talks about. I think that there are maybe 11 or 12 of them mm-hmm. total. Um, and I know in The Mandalorian, it's uh, IG-11, I think. Um, but in that particular story, they detailed about, uh, or they detailed how they escaped from the lab that they were created in. And like there was just some like horrendously gory murder. And uh, and then it briefly talks about what happened to each one of them uh, and where they yeah, ended interesting. up. And that was one yeah. of them. I don't remember which number it was. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and those, the heads, I think, are actually in the Moss Eisley Cantina. Oh, okay. Um, they, they recycled a lot of yeah. props, but I, that's yeah. awesome because unless you're really, really watching, what difference does <laughs> <Right>. it make? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but yeah, very clever, very creative. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned that about the sort of, um, you know, above ground and below ground of Cloud City because that is an, an interesting sort of, uh, uh, symbolic mm-hmm. aspect to the film when it was you know because i think it's like right before you know we have our betrayal and so it is mm-hmm. like this hint of something you know below the surface there right something nefarious mm-hmm. is is going on and and leia obviously is is hip right. to it um and there are a couple of things i want to say but i'll, I'll say this first one of the things that I really love about this movie, out of the many, many things that I love about this movie, is the love story between Han and Leia is told from point A, like all the way to Z. 
and it's 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 told fluidly like it doesn't drag in places it's not too crazy in places it almost climaxes on the mm-hmm. falcon um and but it doesn't you know because of <laughs> 3PO. 3PO. and and in uh in in one of the the lounges in cloud city they're talking about getting the hyperdrive fixed on the falcon and uh and leia says to han and then you're as good as gone aren't you um, so it's, it doesn't seem like it's still playing out necessarily, but clearly the idea of him leaving still really yeah. bothers her and we revisit that. And, uh, I thought that that was really cool. I, I didn't appreciate their story as much, um, over time. I mean, I always liked it obviously, but right. this time it really yeah, stood out. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was done well. Yeah, definitely. Like the way they paced it and everything. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of things being done well, the... The way the conversation between Han and Lando as they're going to dinner, um, God, I can't get over how well crafted that whole mm. thing is. Uh, when he's talking about him prospering on Cloud City and how he's turned into a responsible person, uh, and then Han's just kind of like, Oh, well, you know, with what you've got going on, I mean, surely the Empire would have shut you down by now. And then he says, oh, I've, I've made a deal that will ensure the Empire yeah. will not be a problem. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. and But the balls on Han. Right? Yeah. I mean, immediately, there's Darth Vader. Like, his first instinct like, is shoot to at him. draw and yeah. shoot. Yeah, that's always such a badass scene. Like, that, you know, there's no way that was going to work out in his favor. But he was going for it, you know, that's, because that's who he is. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now, let me ask you this, um, because I'm curious as to what you think. I, I'm pretty sure I know what you'll say, but I, I have to ask. So we're introduced to Lando on the landing pad, and automatically he's cool as shit, um, and we really like him. Now, when this happens, do you feel like if their roles would have been reversed, that Han would have done the same thing that Lon- Lando did? No, I don't. Yeah. Really? Okay, now I'm surprised. Really? Yeah, okay. Mean, well, I guess it depends on... Well, my cat says she has opinions on Hello. this. Um, Is that yeah. Revan? Yeah, Darth Revan. Sweet. <laughs> um, no, I think it depends on, I, I guess, what if the roles were reversed, like what would have led him to that point? Like, at this point, you know, the Han that we know at this point in the movie or in the series, I would say no. Um, but maybe, right. you know, years prior, if he had ended up at being a Lando. Yeah. And that's, that's actually yeah, what yeah, I mean. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like, yeah. In that case, then if he hadn't been through the right. rebellion in that case, then I think so. I mean, because at the end of the day, he's going to be looking out for number one. Right. And, and, and I think that's important uh, not to do that, but I think that's an important realization right. or understanding to have about Lando is that he's not a bad right. guy. He's not doing it out of, you know, malice or anything like that. He's just really trying to to save himself. Right. And again, it's expert storytelling, I feel, and character development where over the next several scenes, you see that Lando has agreed to very certain terms Mm -hmm. in order to allow Vader and Boba Fett to do what they want to do. He's agreed to very specific terms. And one of those, of course, being that Leia and Chewie will be left in his care and you can see that Vader keeps pushing it. He keeps mm-hmm. adding to the deal. So, you know, clearly he w- was doing the best he could with what he had. Right. 
and and it was the pushing where you see him sort of be like all right this i got fucked yeah and you know obviously it doesn't seem like it was something that he sought out you know he even says like they arrived here before you did you know so like yeah yeah if the empire shows up and it's like hey you're gonna help us in like darth vader Mm -hmm. is there you're not really gonna be able to say no right and no not unless you want to die (laughs) painfully and immediately uh, and that's the one good thing about Vader's kills. Most of the time, they're fast. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> I, st- I really don't like the idea of suffocating, but yeah, at least it's yeah. not, you know, torture. Right. Um, so at this point, also, it's it's important to mention that Luke is on his way to, to Cloud City. He decided to go. Um, and I don't want to backpedal too much into Dagobah, but both Yoda and uh, Obi-Wan attempt to keep Luke from mm-hmm. going probably for the reasons that you mentioned earlier. Um, but then again, of course you have the key or the key moment where he, everything is flooded red in the, uh, the light of the X wing, which I love. And, uh, Obi-Wan says that boy was our last hope. And Yoda says, no, there is another. So clearly had Lucas had some things in mind. Uh, do you think that, and, and this is where I get confused. I mean, did you, is it supposed to be Leia still? I, you know, I don't know if it was supposed to be Leia from the start, or if it was, if it was his intention to have some sort of sibling or something like that in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. I could see how you would save a lot of time and effort if you just decided to make it Leia. Right. And uh, maybe that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what the actual, you know, what his process was for coming up with that, or if, if it was planned out from the start. I mean, the the kiss scene makes me think otherwise, but you know, right. Anyone with info on that, definitely drop yeah. me a line because I, I need to know. <laughs> and I'm just too lazy to look it up myself. Um, I will be busy playing Knights of the Old <laughs> Right. But also, like, one of those things uh, with that, I, I can't imagine seeing that for the first time, say, in the theater, you know, when this first came out. Mm-hmm. And seeing oh, it yeah. and like, what? Like, there's another? That, that must have been so yeah. cool. Like, you, you know, your mind probably would have been racing trying to figure out you know who who that is or what that means and have we met them right. before yeah i know and that i don't i don't feel robbed but i am curious mm-hmm. um so so he's on his way to cloud city and in the meantime uh han is being mistreated i guess <laughs> <laughs> let's put it lightly which yeah that still really upsets me um that yeah, whole thing that's a it looks like a very unpleasant experience overall and he says to Leia, I think when he comes into the uh, prison cell, it's like they didn't even ask me any yeah. questions. So clearly they were just fucking him right. up like, <laughs> to do it. <laughs> but I, I don't really, I don't know. I'm, I'm still curious about that because it doesn't seem like Vader was really there. So it was almost like an afterthought to Vader. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to throw him in here right. and forget about it. <laughs> that is more disturbing yeah, to me. Yeah. So there is this moment where or a turn i guess you could say where lando kind of reveals to them he was like look you know I'm, I'm sorry this happened but they weren't even after you you know you guys don't have anything to do with this you're bait for skywalker and then of course han decks him which you know he takes like a champ yeah. i gotta say i mean he knows he, he deserved it <laughs> like, yeah, <I'm> right <laughs> yeah. so uh so that was, I thought that that scene was pretty powerful. And the more I think about this and the more I reflect on having watched this, I love this movie. Yeah. There's just so many awesome 
scenes like that and just so many little touches that you as you watch it again or each time you watch mm-hmm. it you know you just notice something new or like appreciate something new i think yeah absolutely um and and there's one thing i want to mention in just a moment here um but i want to get to the carbon freezing chamber because we've been leading up to this and uh i just oh can't wait to talk about it um so basically luke is is driven or cowed into the carbon freezing chamber but they need to make sure that it's going to work the way that they want it to. So they decide to, to test it on captain solo. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that, that whole man, that whole scene, again, the, the oranges and the blues and the reds. The music too, the way it swells. And it's just, so everything is, feels so hopeless. Exactly. I mean, and, and even something as like the stormtrooper armor, which is normally Mm -hmm. white, it's so reflective in that light. So even they have a more menacing feel and it's just everything about that scene was done superbly well, in my opinion. Yeah. Very powerful. Um, and then, you know, you've got Chewbacca going nuts too. Like that's his, Mm -hmm. that's his buddy, you know, it's getting frozen. Like, yeah, yeah. It's everything about it. Like just feels again, very desperate and very hopeless. Yeah, and I think he would have raged and gotten himself killed, oh, yeah. but Han calms yeah. him down, you know? So you listen, listen, hey. Um, and and again, the love story kind of, it comes to a head in uh, in this moment um, with uh, the, uh, you know, Leia finally decides that she's not going to beat around the bush and play coy. She's just like, I love you. I know. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Is there better dialogue in any right, film? Right, right. That was so good. Like, it's such a, an iconic line, iconic scene. You know, it's just, yeah, so mm-hmm. good. I mean, it's, it's, it's embedded in yeah, culture for sure. at this point. And, and I, but that's the part that I want to stress. It's something that is embedded in culture and everybody knows now. But that, watching this again, in no way diminishes the scene. Yeah, absolutely not. Or like the power yeah, of it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely still super powerful. I mean, like that whole scene, just everything about it just still holds up so well. Like just the emotional and, reaction you get from it. Yeah, yeah. It is it is a superb piece of mm-hmm. cinema. And you don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, we know, obviously, because we've seen it 250 <laughs> times. But like when he's lowered mm-hmm. down into the carbon freezing chamber and the Ugnots are you know, working the machinery, like you don't know what's going to happen. Like you don't know, is he going to live? Is he going to die? And what's it going right. to look like? You know, <laughs> what is carbon freezing? And, and one of the things I wanted to mention or that I was referring to is in this scene. Now, when I was younger and then into adulthood, you know, like the number of times I've seen this film that I had seen this film increase significantly, there's that screech when the pinchers go down to grab the block of carbon and uh and i was like well is that han screaming or is that the sound of the machinery and i never knew and i eventually decided it was the machinery but i turned the captions on for the later part of the movie and the a scream is what's captioned right really wow i I have to go back and watch that scene again now because that makes it even more horrifying yeah, yeah. I I assumed it was the machine. Yeah, that's what I always assumed. But as I'm well. also, yeah, and I'm still I'm still kind of hesitant to go with that because sometimes I've noticed, especially if you watch other movies in foreign languages and and you have the English subtitles on, sometimes bullshit is afoot, <laughs> right. and uh, 
and things don't get captioned properly or sound effects don't get captioned mm-hmm. properly. I don't think there's a lot of... I think it basically comes down to whoever was responsible for the captions. If they thought it was a scream, <laughs> right. then it's a scream. And it might not necessarily yeah. be one, but just food yeah, for thought. that's a, an interesting take on it, though. If that, you know... I, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to have to go back and watch that scene again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. scary. I mean, it's not something that I want to experience. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Not now, not ever. Especially when, I I don't know if you ever read Shadows of the Empire. I did, yeah. Um, Do you remember when they asked Han what it was like? And he said he was awake the whole time. Yeah, which is horrifying. Like, that's like my idea of hell. Yeah, six months. I mean, you think he would be like all fucked up when he he got out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, tremendous, tremendous scene. And that, of course, leads us up to uh, them being, or the remaining captors being escorted out of the chamber to uh, presumably what will at this point be Vader's mm-hmm. ship until Lando decides to take matters into his own hands and kind of try to rectify his mistakes. Which, again, I think plays to the fact that he's a cool yeah. guy. I do like that um, when he does that, when he reveals, like, oh, I'm actually going to help you. He takes mm-hmm. the uh, the handcuffs off of Chewie, and Chewie's first instinct is like, "I'm going to choke this guy." Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he doesn't waste a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and what's funny too is like you assumed, at least um, before all the other movies had had come out, that um, that like Chewie probably had a lot to drink with this guy. They yeah. probably partied. You know, and <laughs> and been through some stuff yeah. together, but he was but like, still, nope. no hesitation. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. So they take the life debt very yeah, seriously. For sure. um, but more than that, they're friends. Um, that's something that I think that uh, I had a lot of trouble with um, when uh, spoilers when Han got killed in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Like, I just thinking about how much that must have sucked for yep. Chewie. I, I, I had the same reaction. Like that just, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I, yeah, that. that that hit me. When they walked out of the catwalk, I knew it was mm-hmm. going to happen. But I like with every fiber of my being, I was just Dope. like, no, no, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't care to lose yeah, Han. Definitely um, but didn't Harrison Ford actually want him to die in this movie? In Empire? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I mean, that I could see him. I think that he had conversations with Lucas about it, where he's like, you know, if if I die and that helps things and that lends more mm-hmm. weight to the character of Han Solo, you know, he'll die a hero instead of an outlaw. Yeah, and, and that I mean, um, imagine how much that would have changed the overall story too. Like, just given it yeah. such a darker tone overall, it would have. And I, I think, I think one of the things that lends some credibility to that notion is um, at the end of the movie when they've uh, not to jump too far ahead, but when when they're in the um, the Falcon, Chewie and Lando, he's dressed like yeah. Han Solo. So I think that he was supposed to like kind of fill that mm-hmm. role um, of Han, and I think that was maybe like a way that they were trying to ease you into right. it. Um, so that would prob that was probably shot with the idea that Han did die, um, but then for whatever reason they didn't go yeah. that route. Yeah, I did think it was uh, interesting that Lando ends up in Han's clothes. It's like yeah, yeah. Well, I mean yeah, they were there. Like, yeah. I guess. 
<laughs> Need some smuggler's clothes. And he probably, yeah, he didn't have anything else to wear. <laughs> and that's so funny you say that because when I was a kid, I thought that's what yeah. it was. <laughs> It was like, that's yeah. how you dress if <laughs> if you're Han Solo. <laughs> I mean, that was that was my honest-to-goodness I mean, belief. Checks out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this, it, it, this all has culminated and brought us to what I think is the absolute climax of the film, and that is the confrontation between Luke and Darth Vader. Um, so I've I've been speaking quite a bit. Uh, probably more than I meant to. So do you want to take this one away? Yeah. I mean, with this one, you know, I, like I said earlier, I didn't have as many notes during this part because I was just so engrossed in the what was going on. I mean, mm-hmm. everything about it, like you have all the different, I guess, um, parts of this lightsaber duel, which mm-hmm. I think was super cool in that, you know, in the in A New Hope, you didn't have, you had the lightsabers, but they weren't really they feel very different, you know, and this one, they feel yeah. much more elegant and powerful and they're just more visually impressive too. And so right. there's the, you know, just the whole, like everything about the, like you said, with the, the oranges and the, all the lighting and everything coupled with the, you know, these, this lightsaber battle and just how visually impressive that is. Like it, it becomes a very like, it's a very like energetic, like powerful scene, um, but you're just like kind of sucked into it. You know, you're just like mm-hmm. time kind of stands still while you're watching it because it's just so so cool. Yeah. And then you have like all the different areas that they go through as part of this. You see these other parts of you know Cloud City and like kind of the the underbelly of it. And sure. the actual design is just so cool too. I mean, all the different set pieces just look so visually appealing and just like really paints a a cool picture of this as this like otherworldly place. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's overall just a very cool, like, um, scene. It is an epic epic duel. duel. Yeah. Yeah. I think it defines the, the notion of the epic duel. Kind of like, um, not that the location changed that much, but the terrain Mm -hmm. and the princess bride and the duel between Inigo and, uh, Wesley, you know, like they start in one point and they end up like somewhere <laughs> right. completely different over the course of their and yeah. I love that. Like that's to me that's what I think of uh when you think of an epic yeah, duel. For sure. And then of course, you know, the whole and, thing culminates in the the classic scene of uh of Vader mm-hmm. revealing that he's Luke's father, which again one of those things but I wish that I could you know, watch this yeah. um fresh. You know, yeah, yeah, it's just like I, I can't even imagine you know how insane that must have been yeah and 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 one of the things i want to mention about that too is if you when you start the duel when they first draw sabers and ignite them there's some dialogue so the scene is set the tone is set with the dialogue between luke and vader but between that and the reveal that he is that vader is luke's father there there is no dialogue like throughout that right. whole thing, unless I'm misremembering no, no, it. Um, very much. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the fight builds the intensity and like the emotion swells, especially with the fear that I feel pretty much every time I watch it, when Vader unleashes the force on Luke and like, he can't mm-hmm. defend himself. Um, so he flees. So that like the sort of the anxiety is amped up. 
and then he doesn't speak again until um, he knocks Luke on his ass. So like you have the scene is set, and then just the whole thing builds. Like every every minute on screen builds your your excitement, and then you have that reveal. Now I'm not saying that's good movie making. That's good movie making. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's cool too that you know you have. Um, I think by the end of it, you know, Vader actually has some sort of respect for Luke in a way, in the sense that like he thought it was oh, going to yeah. be easy, you know, um, mm-hmm. and then Luke actually holds his own pretty well. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, he knocked him off the yeah. platform, like yeah, straight up. So, I mean, it's you know, you, you can kind of see the the wheels turning in his head. He's like, oh, this is um, this is definitely like he's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, he even sc- he scores a hit yeah. on his shoulder uh, on the catwalk. <laughs> I guess that's what pissed him off. Right. Really. It's like, well, now I got to take your hand because I guess he, yeah, he does change tack. You're absolutely right. After he knocks him off uh, the platform, he's like, mm-hmm. "Fuck this!" And then he starts pummeling him with all of those objects with the force. I guess to um, disable him without a killing right. stroke. And then on the catwalk. He hits him with his saber, so he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's, that's not going yeah. to work at all. Um, so the next best thing is to take his hand and not not kill him. So, yeah, that, man, so well yeah. done. And just so so brutal, too, like that last bit. I mean, Luke looks completely wrecked at that point. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. I love it, man. So after he is just given this this bombshell and he leaps off um into i mean i'm assuming that luke has no idea where this goes i I, i'm assuming that he is committing suicide i mean that's that was my take on it too it's like he doesn't know that this is going to turn out well for him but i guess it's you know either committing suicide or just like well if i stay here i know i'm gonna die i guess he yeah i guess he doesn't really know that vader wants him alive i mean he i mean he says all right, of that stuff about ruling him, the galaxy i would hope i mean you would think that luke would still continue to refuse and which mm-hmm. makes you wonder like at that point would vader eventually just be like all right then and kill him like no i don't think so i mean yeah. we know that um but then the other thing to consider too is and i think maybe this is what you were saying is it was just to put as much distance between him and vader as possible using the only available right. method and if that led to his death so yeah. be it um maybe right. i don't know because suicide does seem a little i mean this has been an incredibly dark movie but that's a little too dark yeah, for star my, wars my take on it was always yeah that it's more um well i'm just gonna try my my chances with this if i die i die mm-hmm. but maybe it'll yeah, all work I, out i agree <laughs> and it, <laughs> and it did <laughs> Um, so, uh, let's see, that's, this is incredible. Uh, this, everything that transpired here after he jumps with Vader mm-hmm. reaching, like no dialogue, he has no means of showing emotion on his face, but I yeah. feel it. Oh, for sure. You know, um, when, when he reaches out and, and Luke is falling, which is amazing. I just love everything about this yeah. movie. <laughs> the only thing I don't like about the time, this time watching it and, uh, times before i've watched this version do you remember when after that happens um vader is kind of storming through the corridor and the troops fall in 
and in the original version he he just says bring my shuttle and like mm-hmm. that's it but now in this it says alert my star destroyer to a pr-. it's like no you just totally robbed this yeah. scene of its importance right, right no i mean you definitely like it changes the the tone of that completely because yeah when he's just when it's when his responses or his you know what he says is so short it like mm-hmm. really shows you like how like where he is mentally right then yeah like he's not kylo ren like yeah. he's not throwing yeah. everyone around he's just like this <laughs> right <laughs> just get me out just get me that out is of exactly here. it um, but yeah, so I, I do wish I, that's one of, honestly, like out of all the changes that were made in the special editions, that's the one I think that I regret mm-hmm. the most just because it robbed that scene of yeah. its weight, which is also interesting too. It goes to show how just a little change like that. I mean, that's a, that on the surface seems like a very small change, mm-hmm. but how it completely yeah. changes something. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean filmmaking and and writing in general or any anything creative that you put together piecemeal it it, it astounds me how how that happens and how little people regard that. I think um like you sent me <laughs> I was just going to bring that up. Me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sent me the uh the uh the ceremony the closing ceremony or the award ceremony in a new hope and what was so magical about that video you sent me jeff oh, what was so magical about that was that it was done without the music and so everything felt <laughs> super awkward as they're like shuffling down you hear their footsteps <laughs> echoing and a couple of guys coughing in the background and my favorite bit though was uh chewy's scream out of nowhere <laughs> which that was was that Peter Mayhew? <laughs> I don't know what that was, but uh, because it, I almost felt like maybe they just put yeah. it in there to make. Yeah, it I think weird. it was like I, I think that was definitely like just something they put in um, for that. But yeah, no, it, it definitely goes to show though how things like you know editing and dialogue and music can really just change things completely. Yeah, it all provides a very necessary yeah. context. and and the reason i asked that though jeff um because i'm i'm assuming that there's some degree of editing going on that video because you know that there's a megaphone there saying all right and turn and look this way nod everyone's happy so that was probably taken out but you know that like and and you don't always think about this of course because it takes the magic away but in the scenes with uh with vader and luke say you know, um, that's David Prowse. He's speaking mm-hmm. the lines, but he doesn't sound right. anything like Vader. So you've got like this sort of, you know, uh, English tenor <laughs> <laughs> reverberating inside right. of his helmet, you know, and then Peter Mayhew is delivering his lines to uh, to um, Harrison Ford so that there can be a realistic yeah. dialogue. So it's <laughs> so I just wonder if <laughs> I just wonder if the megaphone said and Peter scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was so good I, I actually watched that like m- more times than i should have i think it gets funnier every single time right. you watch it honestly <laughs> but i do i do wonder that and thank you tremendously for for sending that to me because it it's a good thing for people to watch to appreciate what goes into yeah, a movie for I sure think. 
so there and you uh you hit the nail on the head though there are so many small things that if if changed in any way shape or form would either tremendously improve or greatly diminish a film and that's certainly one of them um but yeah so this this is pretty much the end of the movie it, it's a really kind of um it it does end on a sour note han's been taken away um and they presumably think that they may never see him again luke is down one hand his i believe his dominant hand mm-hmm. um even though he gets a spiffy, spiffy uh, new robot hand mechanical hand that clearly looks just like his <laughs> other hand um <laughs> i mean it's still pretty cool the tech was yeah, pretty good yeah. then i guess but uh <laughs> i don't know man the, it um, makes it where the, the they're still being yeah. chased i was gonna say though with the ability to have a, a robotic hand like that that looks exactly like your old mm-hmm. one it does make the stakes seem not as high when it's like well yeah I just get yeah. a new one and that is one of the things that uh the comics do touch on like they just started the gap between um empire and return mm-hmm. of the jedi the the shadows of the empire space and uh luke is learning how to um he hasn't gotten his his hand yet so he's learning how to to duel and shoot with his left hand and uh, and Lando kind of takes Luke under his wing a little bit, which that's I think cool. is really cool. I cannot wait to see yeah, where that goes. That's awesome. Um, especially since the next issue is supposed to detail what happened to Anakin's saber. Oh, nice. Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I guess we did kind of forget to mention. Um, but prior to that, there is the escape from from mm-hmm. Bespin. Which is, of course, where that other mouth kiss came into play, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, I and I only remember that because I wrote, "Piet looks like he is certainly <laughs> fucked." <laughs> yeah, there is that. He has that look on his face where he's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah. And you, I think it's just inferred, or excuse me, implied that he is yeah. He's dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, for that continuity. Right. But yeah, it was it was. You know, cool the um, I guess the Luke's rescue though at the end there, because you see him yeah. you know reaching out to Leia with his, you know, with the Force, and she actually hears him. So yeah, he tries Ben yeah. first, but of course he doesn't. He doesn't right. come. Yeah, so he tries that and then reaches out to Leia, which you know she receives, and uh, they turn around, which you know was cool. I guess earlier if you were saw the or would the uh, there is another bit, you know that mm-hmm. might start you thinking like oh could it possibly be leia yeah because i don't think prior to this that anyone who wasn't force sensitive had heard or felt or experienced anything like that so yeah i I think that's a natural sort of assumption or conclusion to come to based on that so i don't know i guess we'll never really know Mm -hmm. exactly what was planned not with 100 percent certainty which you know it's kind of fun in its own way like I like that about yeah. a lot of things like, you know, with music and movies and books and any kind of art where you, oh, it's yeah. all in your own interpretation. That's Absolutely. It. I don't need to know if Leo's top is still <laughs> yeah, exactly. in Inception. Exactly. I don't need a definitive right. answer. I'm good with the ambiguity. Yeah. And then one more note on the, the escape. I, I loved the cutting back and forth to, uh, so you had, mm-hmm. you know, Luke obviously reaching out to Leia, but then as they're fleeing, you have Vader kind of reaching out to luke and there's like that back and forth yeah. and so it's like the 
not the inverse of that, but you know, it's like a, a darker take on that. Yeah, I, I, that's something I really want to talk about, and it's not for this mm-hmm. episode, unfortunately. I think it it belongs in Return of the Jedi, um, the, a film that nobody has taken yet, actually. Um, oh, okay. So if you want to do that I, one, I would be down. Uh, I mean, we certainly I, can. You know, I watched New Hope. I watched Empire. I can't leave the trilogy unwatched. So I'll be doing a rewatch yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think because that's that big. The Luke Vader dynamic is one that you could easily do like three hours on. Yeah, by for itself. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is an interesting yeah. relationship. Um, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. I mean, we end on a on a, a downbeat or a, a dour note, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, but we still end with some hope. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, that's the feeling I got too. It's like it, you know, things definitely went South, but you feel hopeful. Like you, you don't feel like it's complete Mm -hmm. despair. It's more like, well, now there's this huge obstacle or this huge thing we have to do, but we can. Yeah, exactly. I know when, when people talk about empire or you hear people speaking about it, a lot of times you say, Oh, it's great because you know, it's so different because the bad guys win. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of. I mean, they get a leg up, but they don't necessarily win because our characters are, are regrouping at the end and they're preparing to handle the yeah, situation. Exactly. So it's not, I don't think they really won per se, they just, but uh, they won they that struck round. A major blow. Yes. I mean, hence the title. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a tremendous film and, and I, I didn't re I always knew that it was my favorite one. Uh, well, when I was a kid, it was Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi, but when I was a teen and then now in my adult years, Empire all the way. And I didn't realize how much I loved it and why it was my favorite, honestly, until I watched it again on Sunday. Yeah. I, I think I sent you a message about this too. It's, I actually enjoyed the, the process of watching it and like taking notes cause I did, mm-hmm. I was actually looking for things a little bit more, you know, um, yeah. which is kind of fun in its own way. Like you, you notice little details that you didn't before, or you appreciate things that you didn't appreciate, or like you, you can put your finger on it. You know, it's like things that you enjoyed, yeah. but you didn't know exactly why. Exactly. No, I, I love it. And that's, that's one of the reasons I enjoy doing these so much is because uh, you get that experience and it's a breath of fresh air because you and I and probably a lot of people listening have seen these movies so many mm-hmm. times that it is kind of like it's it'll never give you that uh it'll never give you your like Vader reveal cherry back but you know um it's almost like watching it yeah, for the first yeah, time yeah for sure which i absolutely love was there anything that you wanted to say about the film before we wrap it up any closing remarks no i mean i think we you know we covered a lot of the stuff that I really enjoyed about it. I mean, you know, it's as I'm sure, you know, is the experience of so many people our age or you know who grew up watching these movies. It's it's just like always mm-hmm. a treat to go back and watch them again. Yeah. And uh it, they they never get yeah. old to me. You know, it's um I'm instantly kind of taken back to being a kid again. Mm-hmm. Um but also, you know, I appreciate new things. I I look at it through you know, the lens of, you know, however many years I've been on this earth, you know, it's, it's cool. I just like enjoy it um, in a new way each time, which I think is great. 
Yeah. That, I mean, that's it's why they will absolutely stand the test of time. They're just, they're wonderful. And I, I know that it's very subjective, but I cannot grasp anyone who does not grasp how someone else can love Star Wars the way that they right. do, you know? I mean, yeah, even, even if it's not something you personally enjoy, it's like, yeah, to right. understand how it can be important to people, you know, I think is, yeah. Right. Harry Potter, I think, is a good example. Like, I missed the boat on that one by Me about too. a year. Yep. I, I um, completely missed that one. But I totally get, like, how it is, like, your Star Wars. Yeah. You know, like, if that's what it is. Yep, totally. I mean, I, I feel the exact same way. Like, I missed it, <laughs> and I don't... It's like I don't have that first-hand experience of, like, appreciating it and mm-hmm. everything, but when people get really into it, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I wish I could right, get it right. with you. Like, I enjoy it, but, yeah, I will never be where you're yeah. at, which is to my detriment. But I also yeah. understand. Uh, well, Jeff, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up, my awesome, friend. man. Well, yeah, this has been great. I uh, I had a good time. It's, you know, it's cool to, like, talk with an old friend and uh, nerd out on some stuff, so... Yes, yes, it is a mutual love. <laughs> a great yes, love, indeed. in fact. <laughs> and if it and if we were going to spend years without having a conversation, this I don't think we could have really picked a better scenario. <laughs> exactly. Or a subject exactly. to come back to. So so thank you very much for yeah, doing man, definitely. that. And I know yeah, sometimes thanks for, thanks for inviting me on. It's uh, it was definitely definitely fun. Like definitely something I've been looking forward yeah. to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for letting me steal your music and not suing me. <laughs> yeah, I you appreciate know, just, I've been waiting for those royalty checks to roll in, but they're just not coming. <laughs> the interest has been rolling. <laughs> yeah. It's in the mail, Jeff. Cool. It's in, yeah, the, yeah. it's in the mail. All right, man. Well, uh, hopefully we'll get to do this again soon. Yeah, man, definitely. I would love to do another uh, another episode on something else. So anything you have in mind, hit me up. Oh, yeah. Well, should we tease folks with that Hobbit idea we were talking about? Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. 1977, Rankin-Bass, ladies and gentlemen. The Hobbit starring Orson Bean. Yeah. Yes. With the the bomb-ass soundtrack. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. All right, man. Well, I am am signing off. Thanks again for being here. Yeah, man. Definitely Definitely, appreciate it. You have a good night, Jeff. Take care, man. Good talking to you. Massive thanks to my good buddy Jeff and a massive thanks to y'all for joining me on another Star Wars episode. Come and find me again later this month when we talk about the last film of the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi. Ooh. Ah. Goodbye.